Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. I have an intense fear every time I think or talk about this story as if the thing is listening and waiting for me to remember it again. When I was 14, my cousin and sister accompanied me to watch Paranormal Activity for the first time. Being at a stupidly angsty age, I was inspired by the movie and convinced my family shortly after to do a seance at my cousin's house while calling on as many demons as we could. I know it was very stupid. We sat in her living room, chanting like idiots, and waited for something to happen. We heard a crack and ran to the dining room, where we saw a trio of marble candles that had been cut in half. They weren't cracked or shattered. They hadn't been moved or dropped, It looked as if someone with a very large sword simply swiped right through the marble. My cousin and I stood quietly, the realization of what we may have brought on slowly dawning on us. We returned to the living room to talk about something else, as if not acknowledging what happened would negate the existence. My cousin was sitting on the sofa across from me, when all of a sudden she said, You need to get up. Come over here now. Her voice was stern and laced with fear, so naturally I vaulted over to where she was. Once I was basically on top of her, she said that as I was speaking, she saw my hair beginning to stick up. Then, as if something were pulling my hair, a few single strands stood completely upright. Something had been standing right behind me. I laughed this off because honestly, what else could I do? When my mom came to pick me up, I ran out of my cousin's house. I thought that since the seance occurred in her house, the thing would be bound there. Right? Wrong. The moment I came home, I knew that something was off. Not wrong, but just off. My room was situated at the end of the hallway on the second floor. My day ends with my dad's routine, The same one hasn't changed for years. He would come home, the alarm for the garage would chirp, and my dad would fling his keys onto the counter, then trudge up the 11 stairs. He would then turn to go towards his room down the hall from mine and finally slam his door shut. That night, at around 1am, I was in my bed when I heard the garage door open, alarm chirp, keys flinging onto the counter. 11 steps up, and then... Pause. My dad never, ever 
goes into my room. So imagine my surprise when I hear footsteps moving towards my room and finally pausing right outside my door. I knew that it wasn't my dad. I don't know why, but I got out of bed and I opened the door. There was a giant shape in my doorframe. This thing, its head rose taller than the doorframe. The top hat that it was wearing was towering over me. The figure was large and seemed to have these giant wings. But I couldn't make out a single detail. The thing, this owl man, as I call it, simply stood there. I took one good look at it, shut the door, and crawled back into bed. This wasn't me being courageous or anything. I was completely terrified. I just thought that if I acted normal, then maybe this thing would go away. The next night I woke up at 3 a.m. and I knew for a fact that the owl man was in the room with me. My back was at the edge of the bed and I could feel its presence. It was brushing against my back. I convinced myself to turn over. The large figure loomed over me, its hat nearly reaching the other side of the bed. Just as the night before, I turned back around and feigned sleep. When I woke up at 3 a.m. the next night, the owl man was posed by the bed again, but this time its arms were outstretched and its wings brushed the sides of my room, hanging at about 20 feet total. Another time I was getting ready for bed, when I found my body moving on its own accord. I leaned into my bed, got onto my back, and went into the fetal position. My legs and arms cramped up around my knees as if I were fending off some invisible attack. I must have blacked out or fallen asleep because I woke up to my grandpa yelling at me for falling asleep in such a strange manner. Another time I fell asleep in my bed, I woke up when I heard my grandpa calling me. I woke up in his bed, in the bedroom next to mine. I was shocked because I never even stepped foot into his room before, and here I was tangled in his sheets. I went outside to the second floor balcony, which overlooked the first floor. My grandpa was down there, and he asked me why I was jumping on his bed. I was stunned. How in the world could I have been jumping on his bed when I had been asleep? How was I even in his bed when I fell asleep in my own bed? I had never sleepwalked before. Ever since then, I have gone to sleep knowing that the owl man was in my room. No matter where we moved to or how many houses we went through, the owl man was constant. And the night, I can feel and see him standing in the corner of my room watching me. I've never been able to get rid of Owl Man. I've only ever told my sisters and cousin about it, but each time it has led to an intensified event. I'm not sure if telling you this story is the smartest move in the world, but I heard another person talking about seeing a similar owl figure with a top hat, and I felt that I needed to reach out and say, Me too. It's still here with me.
Growing up, strange things followed me around. For as long as I can remember, weird things would happen to me, and even to this day. I've always heard stories from my father's side of the family about my grandmother's house being haunted, but I will leave that for later. In 1992, I was five years old, living in a small three-bedroom house. The house was located in a small border town less than a mile away from Mexico. It was owned by my aunt and she rented it to my father. It's hard to believe, but I still remember running around that house. I remember my neighbors and my friends, but what I remember the most was my best friend, Reuben. He and I were the same age and both had an older brother. Our older brothers were both four years older than we were. We got along and quickly became best friends. Reuben always wore a striped short-sleeved shirt. The stripes repeated olive green, rusted orange and mustard yellow, tucked into blue denim cuffed jeans and a pair of dirty converse. My brother and I spent our days running in and out of that house, with forts and sleepovers being a regular thing with Reuben, my brother, and me. The following year, we moved out of that house, and we went to different schools, slowly falling out of each other's lives. Now a sophomore in high school, my aunt is renovating the house for a new tenant and asks for our help with some projects. One day, I was painting in the room my brother and I shared when we lived there. As the room grew darker, I rushed to finish cleaning out my paintbrushes and rollers. I could hear my parents and aunt talking in other rooms as they painted and joked about how we needed to hurry up and finish before the ghosts came out. At the time, my aunt did not have the electricity on, so all we had were a few camping lanterns. We then sat down in the empty room to rest as my parents started telling stories about when we used to live there. We laughed about how I still somehow remembered living there as a five-year-old kid. As I sat there and listened to my parents, I quickly remembered Reuben, whom I hadn't thought about in years. Hell, I had almost completely forgotten about him. I quickly interrupted my mother as she was reminiscing about a barbecue she hosted. Whatever happened to my friend Reuben? My parents both looked at me with a small grin as my dad chuckled. Reuben, you stopped talking to him when we moved. Confused, I replied. Well, I know that, but why didn't we keep in touch? It's not like we moved to a different city. We moved a couple of miles away. My parents then looked at each other with a very confused look on their faces. They went on to say, When we lived here, you had an imaginary friend you called Reuben. We played along, but there was no Reuben. My aunt then froze and turned white. She then told us that after the last tenant moved out, she looked into the history of the house. She told us that just earlier that day, she learned that in the 70s, a couple lived there who had two boys, one five and the other nine. The father was a police officer and left his gun on the nightstand. The older boy, Ryan, got a hold of the gun and accidentally shot and killed his younger brother, Reuben. My stomach fell to the ground as I watched my parents turn into ghosts. I then asked, where did this happen? To which my aunt replied, it happened in this room. 
My parents froze as my mother said, This used to be your room. We then felt a drastic shift in the room as we all shot straight up and rushed to the door. We called it a night and hurried to our cars to leave. As I sat in the back seat watching the shadows from passing streetlights, I realized I was relieved to get away from that house. Away from some place I've always felt unwelcome. Of course, I was dreading having to go back the next day to finish. As I crawled into bed, I tried to forget what had happened as I drifted away, hoping I didn't have to go back to that house again. I'm a massage therapist, and I've been working at the same place for over seven years. I work for a place that has many massage rooms and quite a few employees. Myself and other employees have seen and felt strange things here. I've seen a woman in white in the hall for a long time. The digital clock in my room would always be an hour ahead or an hour behind at the start of every shift. Things like that. There was actually one day when I felt like my massage table was slowly being moved closer to the wall. See, I use a stool to sit on during certain parts of sessions, so I always make sure it can easily move around the table. By the end of the day, I couldn't get the stool around the head of the table because there was no room. This seems like it would be obvious right away, but our rooms are small so the tables are often at an angle so that the head of the table is in a corner. I thought maybe the manager had decided to play a prank on me, but he insisted that he hadn't. I asked several others who I'm closer with at work, but none of them had done it. Another thing that happens is, since we have dimming lights, I will oftentimes have one light that will start strobing. Changing the light bulb makes no difference. The electrical has been checked, and it was deemed fine. I noticed that usually, if I asked it to stop, it would. All this to say that I've never felt afraid. Until recently, that is. It was a Saturday morning, and the only people at work besides myself were the manager and the front desk employee. Both of them were in the front part of the clinic. A door separates the front from the spa area where all of the massage and facial rooms are. Since it's before we open for the day, the hall lights are on, but all of the other massage rooms are dark. I went to grab sheets from my room. The cabinet is in front of a bigger room that we use for couples massages, which has the door open but is completely black inside. While there, I get this feeling that something is staring at me. Then... In the most cliche horror movie voice, a woman's voice, it whispers my name. It's directly behind me. I turn around briefly to look into the room, knowing that there shouldn't be anybody there, and I see that there isn't. At that moment, my lizard brain took over and I literally ran towards the front and through the door separating the spa side from the front. 
My manager said that he could hear me running, and he was about to start running as well because he knew if I was running scared, something wasn't right. I won't lie, I almost left the clinic completely. At that moment, I felt nauseated, and I couldn't get rid of the tingling feeling in my spine from the events before. I explained to both my manager and the girl working at the front desk what happened. Before I mentioned hearing or feeling anything, the girl asked, Did you feel something too? She had gone back there alone, and she had a similar feeling of unease, the feeling of being watched, but kept looking forward and felt that as long as she didn't look around, she was going to be okay. My manager came back with me and we both felt this heaviness. I had him do some Reiki on me because I couldn't shake the queasy feeling like it was somehow attached to me. After that, I felt a cooling sensation wash down my spine and the nausea went away. I've had a lot of paranormal experiences throughout my life, but I've never felt such an intense fear before from anything. I didn't even think when I ran. It was just complete instinct. I do believe that with so many different people coming and going, both clients and employees, some of whom are very negative, that negative energy attracts something that feeds off of those feelings and fears. I do think that it tried to attach itself to me, but I took precautions before leaving work and before even pulling into my own home's driveway. It's been about a month since this happened. For a while, I was still feeling a dark presence there, but I haven't for a bit now. I don't know if it's just some of my own precautions that I've taken since then, or if it's finally left, but I won't be letting my guard down anytime soon. While listening to one of your episodes, I got super excited when you mentioned Shades of Death Road. This is a local destination for my friends and me, and we've even done a few podcasts about it and went ghost hunting there. Shades is located in Jenny Jump Forest, which has its own legend that we, oddly enough, learned while on a school field trip to Land of Make-Believe, a small amusement park nearby. The story goes that a young girl was being chased by someone, and her father at the bottom of the cliff yelled, Jenny, jump! Now, legends say you can still hear him calling for her to jump. Most of the trips I've ever made there were uneventful, except for us scaring ourselves. A friend in high school once told me the legend about a ghost girl that would appear to you if you parked under this bridge turned off your car, and honked three times. We did this and freaked out, even jumping out of the car, thinking we saw something in the back seat. The car wouldn't start, so we panicked even more. The whole time you're on the road, there's an uncomfortable unease. It's creepy and dark, pretty much no matter what time of the day you go. But the last time we went, I did have a few strange things happen that none of us could explain. 
First, we decided the best time to do it was on Mischief Night, the day before Halloween. Second, we chose the middle of Ghost Lake to set up. We brought an EMF detector that died as soon as we got onto the lake, which is divided in half by a narrow strip of grass and a small trail. We were also using a phone app that none of us thought would work as a spirit box. There was also a blue heron that just kept circling us the entire time we were there, and that was creepy enough. In the group, I'm the biggest skeptic, and everyone expected me to be the most disrespectful, but I had a really heavy feeling the whole time we were there. So I stayed quiet and close to my buddy, who was more on the sensitive side of the spiritual realm. We were talking about how I was experiencing a lot of weird things. At one point, we were in a circle, asking for something to make contact with us, and my legs randomly got weak and almost gave out on me. It felt like I was being pulled to the ground. Most of the audio stuff we picked up seemed targeted towards me. We split up for a little, and two of our friends went deeper into the woods up the trail. We heard them laughing and being loud, all the way up to a bend in the trail, when it went silent. When they came back, they told us that all the bug, bird, and other animal sounds just stopped. Everything suddenly went dead silent as soon as they reached the bend. Meanwhile, I was freaking out that maybe, just maybe, I was starting to believe in the supernatural. Before we climbed through the brush to find the fairy cave, I got the nerve to ask my friend, who is somewhat of a medium, do you feel or see any spirits? He said, yeah, over there, and I flipped off the general area. My eyes did something I've never experienced before. It was like a strobe light or a glitch or something, I have no idea. But then I almost hit the ground face first, so I apologized. He left, and we climbed up to the fairy cave, which is not on a trail. When we got to the cave, we started asking the spirit box app questions again. First it said, dig. Then it said, decapitated. So we were like, what? Is this the lady who cut off her husband's head? and buried it on the opposite side of the road. And it gave us a woman's name, but we could not confirm it to be the right name or not. On our way out, one of us decided to make fox sounds to see if we could get any to call back to us. And out of nowhere, we heard a loud plop in the lake. Assuming it was a fish, we started to look for them hopping out. And then we saw another giant splash like something was throwing huge rocks into the lake off the small cliff above it. But nobody was up there. That happened probably four or five times as we made it back to our car to leave. When I was young, 
my mother, my two brothers, and I moved in with my grandmother. It was a house that she had lived in for decades. This was around the same time that my father left my mother. The house was old and not particularly updated. Even if you walked into the place now, it looks like something out of the 70s or 80s and could definitely use a new coat of paint. In 2011, my grandmother passed inside the home, and around that same time, I moved into the basement room in order to have some privacy since my older brother had moved out of it. About a year later, I went through a very traumatic event. Shortly after that event, I started seeing a dark shadow figure in the back corner of my room. It was always in the direct opposite corner of the room to my bed and never seemed to get closer, like it was trapped leaning against the wall. I used to tell myself that it was my grandmother keeping an eye on me since my little brother had had an experience himself of seeing our grandmother before, but this figure didn't have any features that would make it my grandmother, nor did it speak to me. But it didn't feel angry or spiteful or anything. It was just there and terrifying for the first few times that I saw it. I eventually got used to seeing it at night when I would wake up, and it stopped bothering me after a while. A few years later, I was dating my now husband, and I slept over a lot while he was living with his mother since we were both still in college. I had been seeing the shadow figure consistently, and I told him about it, but he had never seen the figure himself whenever he came over. The apartment that he lived in had this very strong paranormal presence and was also ironically in a basement. We often saw shadows moving around the furniture about the size of a cat, heard voices, or had horrible nightmares severely vivid ones. One such nightmare I felt myself wake up, sit up, and look at the floor near me in my husband's bed. On the floor, there were two small, demon-like creatures, one blue and one red. I could tell that the red one was malevolent, and the blue one was good to an extent. The red one suddenly got the upper hand and killed the blue one. It then turned to me, with wide eyes and grinned, its mouth full of teeth like a shark. It then sprinted at me, jumped up, held me down, and crawled into my mouth. I shot up awake a few seconds later and decided that I should not sleep in the apartment for a few nights. The next night, when I slept at home, I saw the shadow person in the corner of my room, but it felt different somehow. Over the next few nights, I kept waking up and feeling off. The shadow figure kept getting closer and closer to my bed until one night I woke up and it was directly over me. I couldn't tell how, but I knew that it was looking at me and it was not happy. I was terrified and immediately covered my head and tried to go back to sleep. The next thing I remember, I woke up to my alarm like nothing had happened. I kept seeing the shadow figure until my husband moved out of the apartment that he was in, and then it suddenly just stopped showing up. I have no idea what caused it to show up, or if it was my grandmother or not, but maybe it knew something had attached itself to me in that home, and it was not pleased with that fact. Maybe it was trying to help. All I can say for sure is that whatever was in my apartment was not friendly 
or safe, and there was more than one entity that really enjoyed tormenting anybody who stayed there. This happened to me last week and is straight out of a horror flick. I've been living at this apartment complex for about two years with my boyfriend. I was pretty familiar with all my neighbors that lived in the same building as me. I said hello to basically everybody I passed. So anyways, I was walking to the group of mailboxes for my building and noticed the lawyer guy that lives above me out of the corner of my eye. I knew this man by the name of Mr. Moody. He was always wearing a suit and carried himself like somebody who had his life together. He also greeted me almost daily. Only this time, as I turned towards him to wave, I noticed something off. His clothes were tattered and dirty. He just looked disheveled in general. I stopped mid-wave when I noticed he had turned towards me and was just staring at me blankly. He began walking my way. He seemed off balance as he was staggering towards me. Mr. Moody, are you alright? Should I call somebody? I called out. I made sure to back away to keep a safe distance. He looked at me with blank eyes and a grin creeped across his face. His face looked literally lifeless. At that moment I thought, screw this and started running towards my apartment. He began to walk faster in my direction. I tripped over my own feet as I came closer to the stairwell. I looked behind me for just a moment as I picked myself up. He had picked up the pace, but was still off balance and slow compared to me. I ran up the three flights of stairs and jingled for my apartment key. I bursted inside and locked the door, and locked the deadbolt in place behind me. I was bracing myself against the door, and I think I was hyperventilating because my boyfriend came running up to me. He kept asking what was wrong as I sat on the couch where he placed me. I didn't have the words at the moment to explain exactly what I had just seen. Hell, I didn't even know. I eventually relayed the event and told my boyfriend that he was acting crazy outside. We thought about calling the police, but decided against it. I mean, maybe he was sick or something. Let's just stay inside tonight, and we'll check on him in the morning. We both agreed on the plan. I mean, I was still in shock and weirded out. I was not about to drag out the situation further. The next morning, there was a knock on the front door. I immediately checked the peephole and it was the nice middle-aged lady that lived beside me. I opened the door and greeted her a little confused. She never directly knocked on my door. She just occasionally left gift baskets on my doorstep during the holidays. She had a troubled look on her face, and I began to feel concerned. She started with, Good morning, hun. I came over here to see if you knew about what happened with Mr. Moody. You know, the man who lives upstairs, 
always wears a suit? I was taken aback by the question. I saw him briefly yesterday. That was all I said. Well, I got up early this morning before dawn and saw flashing red and blue lights on the street over my usual running route. I decided to investigate and asked one of the people in the neighborhood standing outside watching what was going on. He told me that Mr. Moody had come out of the house diagonal from his, covered in blood. He said that he saw he had a knife in his hand and his mouth seemed to be coated with blood. The neighbor was the one who called the cops, I presume. When she finished talking, I slowly sunk down the wall outside of my apartment and sat there. I couldn't believe it. Mr. Moody had snapped? What caused his insanity? I had so many questions. And worst of all, I blamed myself for not calling the cops after the encounter. A few days later, the event came out in the newspapers. The title read, A well-respected lawyer kills two women inside their home. It went on to say that he gained entry through one of the main floor windows by throwing himself into it over and over until the glass gave away. When the detectives asked him why he did it, he was lucid. He said that aliens had controlled his body and made him do it. I'm serious about all of this. Experiencing a horrifying event like that has stuck with me. Sometimes I swear that I see Mr. Moody's blank and lifeless body out of the corner of my eye when I walk across a parking lot. So I've been seeing owls in my dreams a lot lately, though I can't say any of them have worn top hats. Hmm. Well, owls can mean a lot in dreams, a messenger of wisdom or something. Yeah. And as I know you know, the owls are not what they seem. You know, <laughs> I did actually log a very Twin Peaks-inspired dream in my dream journal a while back, where I was in an elevator with a little man, but there were no owls. Love the little man. Mm -hmm. Honestly, this owl entity sounded a lot like Mothman to me. I wonder if the events in the story took place in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I agree with you. You know, even the artwork of Mothman looks a lot more like an owl than a moth to me. Mm -hmm. I think that's what our friend Michelle might have encountered, to be honest. And what about the top hat? Maybe uh, Mothman just upped his fashion sense a bit. <laughs> you know, as somewhat of a fashionista, I approve of that. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he was just taking over shadow person duties from the hat man. That's actually a funny idea. Like, there's a paranormal office where they all clock in, like a regular job, <laughs> but hat man called out sick. Well, if it's a salary job, I wouldn't have shown up if I were Mothman. <laughs> Also, why do so many of these things sound like a team of superheroes? Hat Man, Moth Man, uh, Slender Man? <laughs> Slender Man, yeah. Well, boys will be boys, as they say. Apparently. Yeah. 
So we've talked about imaginary friends before, but the one about Ruben has me asking a lot of questions. Well, yeah, leaving a loaded gun on a nightstand with children <laughs> around is pretty stupid. Yeah, one could say that. <laughs> I think an easy solution for answers would be for the author to ask his brother if he remembers Ruben's brother since they were friends too. Mm -hmm. But the weird thing is that there's no mention of Ruben's brother dying as well. Yeah. Since like the tragedy took place in the 70s, he was more than likely still alive when all of this happened. Yeah, that's a good point. Christopher, we're going to need some answers from you, dude. Please and thank you. Mm -hmm. I actually lived in a small border town like for a couple of years when I was around eight. I could basically kick a football into Mexico from my backyard. It was pretty cool. I liked living down there. I'm learning so many things about you. I never knew. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. But since we're talking about guns, that reminds me. During that same period, I was over at my friend's house, and he randomly took out one of his dad's rifles from the closet. What? Wait, what? Like when you were eight? Yeah, yeah it's a core memory. I completely <laughs> froze. I couldn't even tell him to put it away. I was so scared. And luckily, his mom walked in like 20 seconds later and started screaming at him in Spanish. <laughs> Thank God for that. Yeah, shout out to all the feisty mamas who have saved my life. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say about the Shades of Death Road story, but Kyle, if you're listening, I gotta level with you. You said everybody expected you to be disrespectful, but then you went ahead and confirmed their fears by <laughs> flipping off the spirits. Yeah, come on, Kyle. We can't take you anywhere. <laughs> um, let's see here. Okay, yeah, so have you ever spent the night in a basement? Well, my little recording studio slash office is in the basement. Mm. And for better or worse, I sleep down here most nights. You do? Why? I think you know why. Okay. <laughs> I get you. Uh, yeah. so <laughs> the furnace uh, in the basement from Home Alone is what always scared me off from ever wanting to be in a basement. Though we don't actually have a lot of basements in California, which is something I learned from the movie Zodiac. Great movie. Mm -hmm. So I never really have to worry about that. Honestly, the first and maybe only time I ever set foot in a basement was to play a show when I was in one of my former bands. It was at a house show, and I, I couldn't stay in there for very long because the stupid people that lived there kept cats in their basement. <laughs> oh yeah, cats are your kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. And probably the reason you'll never be able to come to my house for as long as we live. Mm -hmm. Although I, I tell myself, I gotta go petless for at least a couple of years after the ones I have kick the bucket. Yeah, you gotta get it together. Mm -hmm. I just have a bad association with basements all around for me, I guess. Sounds like a typical case of basement phobia to me. Yeah, exactly that. So I don't want to make light of the story in any capacity, but I couldn't help but envision the little red and blue devil's pain and panic from the Disney movie Hercules when they described <laughs> their nightmare. Yeah, I actually thought about that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I only wanted to bring that up because I found it kind of interesting that they were the red and blue demons because pain and panic from the film were based on the Greek gods Demos and Phobos who represented fear. Yeah, it said that most of our emotions stem from feelings of pleasure or pain. So I guess mm. pain took the wheel in this case. Yeah, yeah. And, and not only that, but they were apparently sons of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, and therefore represented the fear of loss. 
Oh, as in the loss of the author's grandmother. Yeah. Interesting.、Mm-hmm. I gathered a lot of manifestation of trauma from that story, too. Yeah, definitely. Now, I'm no scholar. This was just a rabbit hole that I slid down on the internet after reading their story, but it all kind of connects in an interesting and tragic way. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not a psychologist. I think we're good. <laughs> okay. So we have to talk about that Mr. Moody story. Yeah, that was more of a let's not meet story. And one of the few stories we've had where I think it's safe to speculate that mental illness is probably at play here. Definitely. And if aliens literally took control of this guy's mind, I sincerely hope they stop visiting us. Yeah. It also gave me American psycho vibes.、Mm-hmm. A successful and well put together guy who snaps and starts murdering people. Yeah. Goes to show you, you can't judge a book by its cover, not even Christian Bale. Yeah. Ted Bundy, for example. Don't forget、uh, John Wayne Gacy. What a hunk. Speaking of Gacy, I totally understand morbid curiosity when it comes to true crime, but I think it's really poor taste to pay cash for something like his paintings and have it hanging up in your dining room. Yeah, or like the people that get Ted Bundy's bite marks tattooed on their bodies. I, I, I don't get it. But since you mentioned cash, I was actually thinking about something the other day that kind of jogged my memory. I know it's probably something that's easily researched, but it just popped into my mind. Whatever happened to the old designs of like the $100 bill before they made Ben Franklin's face really big and added、oh, that blue strip?、Yeah. You know what I mean? Like、mm-hmm. everything besides the dollar bill. Change and I haven't seen any of the original designs in well over a decade. You're right, they pretty much don't exist anymore. Yeah, I wonder if society just collectively swapped them out of the bank or something when we were kids and didn't know our parents had to go exchange their cash. <laughs> I'm not sure. You would think we'd at least see a couple of them floating around still.、Mm-hmm. My far fetched theory that probably isn't true is that the Federal Reserve has printed so much money over the years. There's now like a one in a thousand chance to come across one of the old designs. Yeah, because with inflation, we're just printing so much money. It seems plausible. Let's go with that. All right, case closed. <laughs> okay. Anyways, thanks everybody so much for listening. This week you have heard Owl Man by Michelle, Terror in El Paso by Christopher, Haunted Job by Casey, Zombie Neighbor from Outer Space by Leah. Basements can be terrifying by Anonymous, and finally, Shades of Death Road by Kyle. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com and we'll take a look. Don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want to get access to ad free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to sign up and support the show today. And finally, don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcast. Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast. Welcome to Paradise It Sucks, and the old time radio cast all at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next week. Everyone stay safe. Peace out.